Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. James chapter two, appreciate our worship team. We are moving through the book of James verse by verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So we are in chapter two and uh, the 14th verse through the completion of that chapter. I'm going to read from the New International Version. I think there's an error in your notes. Uh, it's James 2, 14 to 26. Uh, my notes say 20 on the top, and that would be my mistake. Are you all there? You're not there yet. How many of you are going to not talk no matter what? How many of you are there? You're all there. All right, good. Let's go. You ready? Here we go. New International Version. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep yourself warm and and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, quote, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend, verse 24. You see, that person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Woo, this is going to be good. Father, thank you for what you've done this morning, what you've done in worship, how you healed people, touched people. Thank you for the many testimonies at the time of worship and returning the tithe and giving towards our building project. All you've done today, you're amazing. Now, God, I pray that you, Lord, would speak with crystal clear clarity to each and every one of us, that all of us would be impacted by your word, which is truth. You stand over to see it performed. So have your will and have your way. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. We live in an interesting time where faith is misunderstood. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, it's not uncommon for me and, and maybe for you where you meet someone who says they're a Christian, but they sure don't act like it. Christian is as Christian does. Actually, Christian means little Christ or Christ-like. So if somebody says that they're a Christian, but they be, their behavior is contrary to that, there's a, there's a problem with that. How many of you have met people who say they love God, but their life is clearly contrary to the word? All four of you have seen people like that. We have a whole, we have a whole community, honestly. There's a nation filled I mean, I've seen people that say, well, I believe in God. We're a Christian nation. We're really a post-Christian country, but we're, we're hoping to do something about that in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. And people say they love God and live like the devil. That, that is completely contrary to scriptural truth. There's got to be a continuity between your faith and your, your life lived. True faith 
lives a life that models what true faith is. Pastor Kirsten, not knowing what I was going to preach on, although generally he knew that I was preaching from the book of James, talked about that. He talked about, about believing and taking action. What you believe is what you do. You can't separate what you do from what you believe. You want to know what you believe? What, you know, you are not what you eat, although it will affect you physically. You are what you believe. So if you look at your life and you see the actions of your life, that is your real belief system. Sure is quiet in here. James writing here. He's concerned about faith. And, you know, there's a quality of faith. Just because there's hypocrisy, and there is. There's a lot of people that say, well, I'm a believer, but they live like the devil, as we mentioned. There's a lot of people that say, I'm a Christian, but their life, life is contrary to what the truth of the word of God is. And, and, and then there's genuine faith. There's genuine faith. There's real faith that moves mountains. There's real faith that changes lives. It pulls out the heart of stone and puts in the heart of flesh. There is a people of real faith. That's what this is. How do you know? Because I know. I'm telling you, I can see it in the lives changed. Talking about our brother Neil and how he started tithing and the miracles that took place. That's faith. He had faith to tithe. I suspect maybe he didn't tithe before and now he tithed and, and now he's seeing breakthrough. So his faith was displayed in his action, returning the tithe to the Lord and breakthrough comes now in the natural. Many people say they believe, but their actions don't line up with it. You know why? Because they really don't believe. James is concerned about faith being defined correctly and he, he interweaves, he interlaces faith throughout these two chapters and we've looked at chapter one and a section of chapter two and he's he's referring to faith over and over and over and so you can tell from that that he's concerned that faith is properly defined chapter two he speaks about showing favoritism that's the last message we have favoritism and how the the poor are often rich in Faith. He's talking about faith. He's trying to define it. And so we look at the text here. He confronts the person who says he's a Christian by faith, but doesn't live it. This is verse 14. Look with me. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? You see, to James, there's no separation between faith and action. Now, we're going to deal with the fact, I thought you were saved by grace. You are. We're going to deal with it, and, and there's been some arguments about, about James and Paul and their treatment of faith and said that there's, there's contrary, but, but I'm going to fix that tonight for some of you that might have heard that argument. James is concerned, and he says that faith and action go hand in hand. You can't separate your faith from your action. In actual fact, faith is obeying God's word or doing God's word. Faith is what you do on your way to your hope. Faith is an action word. You can't say you have faith and do nothing because that doesn't make any sense. He goes on to give an illustration dealing with the needs of a brother or a sister and shows how faith and love work hand in hand. Look at verse 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. 16 now. If one of you says that I'm going peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it in the same way? Everybody say in the same way. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. The point is this. If you have a genuine love for God, when you see a need arise in somebody else, it'll move you to do something. There's compassion and sympathy. Sympathy feels bad for somebody. I'm going to just tell you, nobody needs your sympathy. Compassion feels bad and does something. Compassion really is an action word. In fact, there's an organization, a wonderful organization called Compassion in Action. So if you have a genuine love in God for God... You're going to do something. If you have a genuine love for Christ, that love is going to be put on display when people are hurting and when there's a need. You won't be able to help yourself. The genuine love for God will move you to do something when it's genuine. 
If your heart is not moved towards broken, hurting people that need help, then you might need to rekindle your walk with the Lord a little bit. Rekindle. Do you know what that means? It means like push the sticks together. Get those embers going a little bit. Fan those things into flame. Come on, some of your wood is wet. Okay, both the Apostle Paul and James agree that moral actions flow out of real faith. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, writing in the church in Galatia, he says this, chapter 5 and verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And he says this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. If you love God, you have an action that shows it. And James is dealing with the reality that morality comes out of a love for God. Go to Ephesians now. But I just got to the Galatians. Okay, we'll go to Ephesians. Ephesians 2. And he says this, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves, it's a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. See, he's saying that you're saved by believing. He even quotes Abraham, that Abraham believed God was accredited to him as righteousness. Your faith, believing, is what saves you. It's not doing the stuff that saves you. But when you're truly saved, you will do stuff. You will take action. When we receive Jesus, not our own righteousness. I said, not our own righteousness, not your works, not your giving. You can surrender your body to the flames and you'll be utterly scorned. There is nothing you can do to earn God's love. He loves you just the way you are and so much he refuses to leave you that way. And you have to receive his gift of love. His, you receive salvation by believing. Faith, believing, pistis is the Greek word, by believing on the Lord. And when that happens, a supernatural transformation, as Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, said, you must be born again. When you believe on the Lord, you will be born again. You'll be washed. You'll be cleansed. He will heal you. You, He will come to take up residence on the inside of you. And when that happens, your life will be different. Now, it doesn't mean that you're living the water-walking life the second you prayed and received Jesus and repented of your sin. It's a process. As I said this morning, that process is called the process of sanctification, becoming more like him. Then you hear messages like this, and it helps you realize that maybe your faith is, maybe your faith is dead. And to take a good look to see if your faith is dead so you can put some action to it or maybe truly believe for the first time. You'll notice that James and the Apostle Paul are in agreement that genuine faith in Jesus means that you're going to do what he called us to do. Genuine faith in God means that you actually take action and you obey his word. It flows that way. You know, legalists, legalism, legalism and genuine faith in God have a lot of similarities, but at the core, they're completely different. You want to know the difference? I'll tell you, legalists say that you need to, legalism, a legalist person will pray, they'll, go to, they'll come to morning prayer, they'll, they'll give, they'll tithe, they serve, they, they, they do all the stuff, but they do it from the lens or the viewpoint to earn more of God's love as opposed to doing it from the viewpoint of genuine relationship and genuine Christianity, genuine faith in Christ, does all those things because I'm loved. It's a big, big difference. And if you get tied up into performance orientation, which means if you could just do more, you could just serve more, you could just give more, you could just pray more, then God will love you more and you'll have more favor. That's not true. No, he loves you the same. Bump your neighbor and say he loves you the same. Come on, bump your other neighbor and say he he loves you. Yeah, he does. He does. He loves you. Now, not everybody has the same level of intimacy with God. 
There are some people come on the secret of the Lord. He confides with those who fear him. You want to know more about God? Draw near to him. Have a greater fear of the Lord. Understand him. Learn his word. And he'll speak things to you. But if, you're, if, you've, not been in, if, if you've not lived like that or drawn close to him, come on, James goes on to say, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. You begin to draw near to God. He begins to show up and then miracles happen. Breakthrough happens. So he loves everybody the same, but not everybody has the same level of intimacy with God. It brings me then to intellectual assent. I love how he says it, quoting the Shema. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4. Intellectual assent is not genuine faith. For even demons believe God exists. Let me, let me break that down for you. Just because you intellectually believe that God exists, that's not genuine faith. Demons believe that. Ooh, all right. You say, well, that's kind of intense. So you mean I need to do more than believe? Well, if you have a proper definition of belief, then no. But most people don't have a proper definition of belief, and so they just believe intellectually in their mind that there was a, a figure, the Christ, Jesus, a historical figure. They believe that maybe even he's God, believe that he died on a cross, but it's here. It's not intellectual ascent. It's a genuine faith that comes from the heart. It's not just a knowing that it's true. It's, it's taking action in belief with your heart. And even the demons believe. My God, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Everybody say the Shema. Very, very important to understand. God is one. There is one God. This is monotheism. And the three in one God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All of them individually, God, and together, the Godhead. And where you get into difficulty is when people begin to tear, to tear down and destroy the Godhead and say something like Jesus is Satan's brother, like the Mormons do. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm not against Mormons. I love people. I'm against faulty theology. I'm against heresy, and I'll preach against it every day of the week. And there's, there's heresy there. The Book of Mormon, am I actually, this is like for somebody because I'm getting shoved. The Book of Mormon doesn't, does not follow the rules and laws of canonization. It does not match with the laws of canonization, and there's four basic laws. It doesn't match up. And so when you talk to somebody and they say, well, they're never, first of all, the new thing is they don't tell you they're Mormons. They're people, you love them, you're not against them, but you need to stand for truth. And they'll say that, no, don't call us Mormons. We're not Mormons, we're the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They'll correct you because that's the new thing. They don't want to be called Mormons. The spirit of moron eye or something like that came <laughs> and gave a golden pair of glasses to a man and some special tablets. In the 1800s, they can't find the glasses and nobody knows where the tablets are. Well, we have archaeological evidence that brings us all the way back to the birth of Christ and prior. It just doesn't line up. And it, and it, and it seems like a dude wrote it. It seems like, I'm going to say it, it seems like someone with perverse character wrote it. Why is that? Because when you get to heaven, you get all these celestial sex partners. Okay, we have children here. And you get your own planet. And I guess you get special underwear, or maybe you get the underwear before. I forget. We better move on. Jesus is God. Or the well-meaning Jehovah's Witnesses. They're also deceived. They've changed the word. And I want to say that if you read the back, the back of the book, the book of Revelation, read the book of the Reve Revelation, there's a curse and a blessing. There's a blessing for those who read it, but there's a curse that says anyone who changes the, the words of this book, God will add, it takes away from the words of this. Anyone who adds to the words of this book, God will add to him the curses. Anyone takes away the words of this book, God will take away his right to the tree of life. He'll take his name out. 
Now, let, let me just do a little study and see all of the authors and all of the founding fathers, if you will, of Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. They're all dead and their lineage no longer exists. Everyone in the family's been cleaned, wiped out. They don't exist anymore. And, and the deaths they died? The deaths I died. Go study that. The deaths they died are horrible deaths of disease. It, the curse. Come to somebody say the curse. curse. All right. And I'm, I'm not an apologist, but I felt pushed by the Holy Spirit to go there for just a moment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is, is one. Even demons believe. And so it's not a verbal ascent. It's not just believing he exists. It's receiving what he's done and then a changed life that comes from that. He gives the illustration now. James continues. And he gives an illustration of Abraham. Abraham is an illustration of faith accompanied by, by deeds. And Paul, the apostle Paul and James use Abraham as an illustration. And what James is saying is that from the moment that Abraham was led out by the Lord out of his tent to look up to see all the stars of the sky, and he says, Abraham, Abraham, you see all the stars? He says, yeah, can you count them all? No. More numerable will your descendants be than the stars of the sky. And from that point, he begins to move forward in faith, but it's 20 years or whatever. It's a long time. And Sarah had to come to a place of faith. And eventually, Isaac is born. Laughter. Isaac. And God then tells him to go to a region called Moriah, which is the exact same region that Jesus was crucified. He leads them there on the third day. He saw the place afar off. And he goes and he, to offer Isaac on the altar. He goes up the mountain with the fire, the knife, and the sacrifice. And Isaac is 30, perhaps 33. I think 33 fits better because he's this type of Christ. Goes up and Isaac's like, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? Oh, Lord will provide he so believed God was going to bring the multiplication of his descendants, his faith was more numerable than the stars. His action was, I'm going to obey God no matter what it takes. And he said, the lad and I will be back. He says to those who are waiting down at the base, we'll be back. So he believed that even though he might have to follow through, which was not uncommon, it was not uncommon to sacrifice one of your children. It's not uncommon today either. It's called abortion. So he believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness and the angel showed up and there's a ram in the thicket and God stepped in. His faith believed God more numerable than the stars would his descendants be. He obeyed God in bringing his son to sacrifice him because he knew God said it and God's going to fulfill it. Faith and actions working together. And this is the illustration that that James gives. So James saying that Abraham's faith allowed him to obey God at a crucial moment in his life. The same is true for you and me. When you believe God, it releases works. It, your faith, when genuine, does stuff. Action. Come on, somebody say action. action. Rahab, this illustration that he uses, Rahab. How many of you know the story of Rahab? Go, go to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua 2. Joshua 2, Rahab, she's a prostitute. And the spies come in to check out the land and they come to check out the Jericho. And, and, and they, they go through the place and they're discovered. I'm, I'm summarizing. They go, they discover they're there. And so the uh, Jerichoan police department looks for them. They come to try to find them. And, and they, they have to hide. So they go to the, the prostitute's house and they ask her, hide us. And so she brings them up onto a flat roof and puts them under flax and hides them. Then when they come, the Jericonian police, he says, well, I don't know where they are. She was used to lying. She was probably a good liar. And she lied. And she says, well, you better go find them. I don't know, they're not here and, and, and lies. And in, in Joshua chapter 2, are you all there? Joshua 2. This is Rahab speaking. 
When we heard of it, our hearts melted with fear. Now he's talking about the, 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 the Jordan parting and being shut off from Adam all the way down to the Dead Sea. Verse 11, Joshua 2, 11. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. She became a believer. She said, oh, I'm, I'm, I need to change sides. Do you know anybody that loves baseball when it gets right down to, you know, the, the, the main games, they switch to the winning team? <laughs> I'd encourage you to switch to the winning team tonight. And Rahab switches teams. And her declaration of faith, her declaration of faith was modeled by her action. She believed that, and so she hid God's people. And I love what they said. They said, if, the, if, the, if the, the scarlet thread is out your window when we come to Jericho, then you and your whole household will be saved. It's a beautiful, where do you think they got that from? I think they got it from the Passover lamb. I think they got it from the, the blood of the lamb being on the doorposts and that the death angel would pass over. I think they got it from there. And they said, just hang this red thread here out the window. It's a picture of the blood. I remember years ago, being in a revival service and this old time preacher preached about the scarlet thread of the blood through the entirety of all of scripture. I was so impacted by that. Well, they come, you know the story, they come and they, Jericho, the walls of Jericho fall, but she had that scarlet thread out and she, can you imagine what she was, she was trying to get everyone she loved and cared for in her house on that day. And a house of prostitution was turned into a house of salvation. And furthermore, furthermore, come on, God can change your house. I said, God can change your house. God can, God can change your house. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. If you'll come to Jesus and believe on him, come on, he'll, he'll change things. A house of salvation. And she is then found, listen, in the lineage of the Messiah. You go and trace her lineage. She's in the lineage of Jesus. Wow. Faith without a corresponding works is dead. Verse 26. As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. If you say you have faith, but your life does not line up with your faith, You say you're a believer, but there's not the works that are manifested in your life. Then your faith is a cadaver. Let's have a praise break. Amen. Praise God, Pastor. Wow, that's pretty intense. What's a cadaver? What's a cadaver, Dad? <laughs> I remember Daniel, who's on the front... Daniel, would you come to the keys, please? My son, 19, and um, we would read through the Proverbs and Psalms. We'd do a proverb a day, try to get wisdom. Amen. Give you wisdom. Read Proverbs. And uh, there's a section that talks about the harlot and prostitutes. And so he says to me, Dad, what's a prostitute? I'm like, well, for the first, you know, at three years old, I'm like, it's nothing. Let's move on. You know, four years old, five years old. He was pretty like six years old. Dad, what's the prostitute? I'm like, oh, God help me right now. Uh, that's someone that gets paid to give kisses. He goes, ew. I'm like, right, exactly. Listen, you need to read the word to your kids. You read the word to your kids. You teach it to them. And you know, you, you teach them correspondingly according to what they can carry. You don't, you don't bust the whole lid off the, it can't handle that. You have to do that graciously and gently and Christ-like and with wisdom. Faith without works is dead. God's speaking to us very simply. We must believe that Jesus 
Must believe and see Jesus as our Savior and Lord. What do you mean by that? Someone said if he's, if he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. Some people, I've said people, seen people, well, I, I believe in Jesus, but yeah, I don't go to church and I don't, I don't do any of that stuff, but I believe. So it's like they're trying to have fire insurance. We're to believe in Jesus. That, that, that kind of faith doesn't save you. You know that. That's what it's saying. That, that kind of faith is not going to stand before the Lord. And we, we, we talked about James and how it's, it relates powerfully with the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, talking to those who come to him, they said, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Lord, did we not? Did we not? He said, get away from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. That's, that's a sobering thought. Do you know him? Because when you know him really, then it'll, it'll release corresponding action. Come on, if you're as mean as a cuss, and you just got a foul mouth and you keep doing the same things you've always done, and you say that you're a believer, you're not. Don't look at me like that. You might believe like demons believe, you might believe intellectually, but you've not been born again. Because when you're born again, you change. How do you change? It's more than you white knuckling it and forcing new habits. It's way, way beyond that. Something changes on the inside. He takes out the heart of stone. He changes you on the inside. He transforms you. So he, if he's your savior, then he has to be your Lord because if he's not your Lord, then he really isn't your savior. I've heard so many people say, He's my savior, but he's not my Lord. And I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing. Matthew 7, 21. Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils? Get away from me. You know, you ought to let that sober you up just a little bit. Away from me. I never knew. Just because you can prophesy, just because you, come on. Away from me, I never knew you. The second thing I see here from this text in application is we need to hold each other accountable for our life of faith. I've seen people over the years. Now, I've been here a little while. I didn't get, I'm not here five years. I'm not, I'm in a, you know, praise God for those who passed for five years. I've not been here for five years. I've been here for 16. And, and uh, as time goes by, it'll be 30. I don't know all that the Lord's going to do, and I don't know how long he's going to tarry. We're going to continue to strike our arrows to the ground, reach the lost, preach, pray, prophesy till he returns. That's what we're here to do. Anybody else besides me? That's why we're here. Okay. In the course of my time here and in the course of pastoring for over 20 years, I've seen people who said they love God, but then a big obstacle comes and they get offended. And in their offense, they stop going to church and they stop serving God. Listen, I did it. I, I did it without telling the whole story. I had in my heart a belief that God was going to do this particular thing for me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that he was going to do it. And I knew how he was going to do it. So when it came right to that moment and it didn't happen, I'd completely turned my back on God. I would highly advise that you don't do that. See, because he's really not the Lord. If you do that, you are. I'm going to go over here because I'm just not feeling the love on the left side of the church. I'm going over here. you got to trust God. See, we, I really wanted a girl as my wife. Listen, 20 years from now, you might be happy. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. Yeah, it's not unanswered. There's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, wait. Those are the three answers. And God, you know, trust God for him to say no. Lost my train of thought, Pastor Kirsten. If he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. Trust his leadership. I've seen people get so offended at what a brother or a sister or somebody does, and they then go over all over Facebook. They blast that thing everywhere. Can you believe what they did? That Pastor Kirsten, he looked at me and he just... Shut up. <laughs> 
word. Go read Matthew 18. Go read Matthew 18. And if your brother sins against you, it doesn't say go tell everybody and blast it on Facebook and talk all about it. Like, can you believe what Pastor Kirsten did? Oh my gosh. Uh. No, you, you, you go to him. Uh, not him, you know what I mean? Go to the person that offended you. You go to them, just you both, not you and your 10 people, and, and you record it. You record it. He's really a racist. And you record it and you blast it everywhere. Tell me you love God. No, I don't think so. I'm not feeling the love again. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands to Jesus. Say, oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. And so you defile person after person after person after person after person and you win a whole bunch of people into the argument about what's happened with whoever it was that offended you and you, and you don't do Matthew 18 and then, you, and then you're not going to church and you don't serve God anymore, not serving God anymore. You go, ah, God. I don't think you were serving God to begin with. Hey, yeah. Preaching better than your amen and come on. Ah, Do Matthew 18, go and tell them. You didn't get chosen, you didn't get picked. You're, you're, you're not the next leader. You're not the next elevated person. You're not the next one that is chosen at work. And so you had this promise from God and the prophetic word that you were gonna be elevated and promoted and it didn't happen, so now you quit God. I've had people leave the church, they had a prophetic word and the word didn't come to pass according to them. And so then they turn from God and they don't serve God anymore. And that concerned me. And I was thinking, man, Lord, maybe we should back off. And the Lord just corrected me. He said, oh, no, no, son. No, no. You keep prophesying. You keep flowing. Don't worry about it. I've got you. It was a true word from the Lord, but it was a conditional word. And they didn't keep their end of the bargain. Listen, you could be called a Botswana. You could be called to be the next CEO of some great corporation or the next teacher or doctor or lawyer or pastor or apostolic leader. You could be called to do this next great thing to be raised up, to be used by God. And greatness in, in God's kingdom is very different than what the world is. You know, God can call you to do this great thing, but if you then throw it away because of your offense and then it never comes to pass and then you point at somebody and say, that's a false word. Oh, stop. There's conditional and unconditional prophecy. So we need to hold each other accountable. Hmm. Yeah. so many people that are offended. You were born, the doctor slapped you, and you were offended that they slapped you. You came out of the womb offended, and you just look for ongoing offense. The second something happens, you know they're talking about you. You have a spirit of offense, and you need to be set free. There's so many people that have a spirit of offense, and it's just, it's all over America. It's all over. I don't want to offend. I want to offend them. His, him, her, it, whatever. They, all the pronouns. Give me a break. Listen, you're going to get offended. I've found that God offends. He's offended me plenty of times to heal me because God will, God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. I said, God will offend your mind to reveal your heart and faith without works and actions. It's going to be tested and we need to be accountable. Is he, if he's not the Lord of everything in your life, then he's not the Lord at all. Don't tell me, don't tell me you believe in prayer. Come on, this is going to hurt. You ready? Just fasten your seatbelt high and tight. Brace yourself. Couple stingers right here. Woo! You believe in prayer, but you never come to prayer. You don't really believe in prayer. You believe in tithing, you say you do, but you don't tithe. I'm <laughs> wrong again. You don't really believe in tithing, but you don't really believe it. Not really. Oh my. I'm almost done. You say you believe in hell, you say you believe in heaven, you say you believe in salvation, but you never share your faith. Owie. 
I don't want to be embarrassed. I've found that the revelation, the truth of God's word, when it's real and genuine, will wipe out all other emotions. I've told you the story, a young, nervous, shy mother with her little baby walking across the parking lot and her purse is attached to the, to the stroller and some demonized maniac comes. I mean, she took the self-checkout line so she doesn't talk to anybody. She's not going to say anything to anybody. She's certainly not having any eye contact. She just doesn't want anybody to see her. She's, she's quiet. She's shy. So she's walking with her cart and out of the darkness dashes a demonized, drug-addicted individual who grabs that cart, snatches it out of her hand and runs away to steal her purse. Can I tell you what that girlfriend will be looking like shortly thereafter? She won't gouge homeboy's eyes right out of his head. She will muster some courage and she will run like a track star and she will hunt him down, screaming and yelling. She's not just gonna sit there and say, go, why her baby is, would any mother do that? No, there's an instinct. There's something that happens. The, the, the fight or flight, oh, it'd be fight, baby. It'd be on. She would chunt him down and he would die a cruel death as she got her baby back. Right? Why? Because the revelation of the importance of her child being protected, her, her baby that came from her own body, the one that God gave her, the importance of protecting that baby is far above her being embarrassed or feeling like she's foolish. And when you get a revelation of who God is and who you are, it changes everything. When you get a revelation of heaven and hell, it changes everything. When you get a revelation that when you pray and when you declare and when you proclaim and when you decree that mountains can be moved and sickness has got to go, it changes everything. When you get really faith down in your heart, when you get faith in your heart, it takes action. It does something. It has compassion on the broken and the hurting the lame and the halt and the withered. You can't separate your life of faith from what you do. So what you do is what you believe. Owie. Examine your life. Take a good look. We must not separate our faith from our action. Embrace the fact that true life, back in your notes, embrace the fact that a true life of faith is living for God in our devotion. Let me stop there. In our devotion, what does that mean? When you really love God, you're going to read his word. You know that it is his word, you read it. And let me just tell you, one of the great studies that I've done recently, I've done it at other time, but required as I move to get my, finish my degree is why the Word of God is the Word of God. And most people have not done that study. But if you begin to do that, it just has so much more importance. It, it just comes alive in a greater way that you realize there's no way that man wrote that. Oh, oh no, man wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but it is clearly put together by God Himself. And when, when you read the Word, it releases faith. When you study the Word, and there's, there's books called the, the, part, the Pages and the Parchment, and on and on and on, you can do studies about why that's God's Word. It's a number one bestseller ever since it came out. On Gutenberg's printing press, the first thing ever printed was sections of Scripture and eventually a Bible. It transformed cultures and transformed nations everywhere it goes. The Word of God is a lamp unto a feet and a light upon our path. The Word of God is like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. The Word of God is like fire that burns everything in His path. God's Word is true. God's Word is sure. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will remain. His Word will... Hey, God! Ah! His word will endure forever. You study the word and you read the word and do the word. Everybody say, do it. Devoted life. You're living a life of devotion. Reading the word, memorizing the word, learning the word, speaking the word, praying the word, having a life of prayer, fasting, faithfulness to church. You know, I said this before. 
every person I know of that, that came into this house, or for all the times I've been saved, or all the almost 30 years now, people that come in that get soaked and saturated and stay, let me tell you what I've found over all those years. In every family that I know, and people live a genuine Christian life, their whole family gets saved. I'm talking to every single one. Some are more stubborn than others. It could take 20 years, but, but every one of their family gets saved. I've seen that. And some are not quite in yet, but it's not over yet. And, and I see their lives transformed and I see them go from, I've seen people go from abject poverty to, to, to great blessing and favor. I've seen people that were emotional basket cases on so many Prozac milkshakes and jacked up and toe up from the flow up, healed and become counselors. I've seen people wanted by the FBI then become FBI negotiators. You want to tell me how that happens? I've seen people who were kicked out of counseling. There was no hope. You wouldn't trust it with anything. I mean, you had your hand on your wallet when you were near them. And then they become people that are helping to manage finances and transformed life. That's what happens when you come and you you soak and you saturate. How does that, how does that mean anything? If you're going to grow in God and you're going to come big in faith with action, you have to soak and saturate yourself in the word daily. If you just come to church, I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd. So it's daily, weekly, faithfully coming, serving. Can you say amen? in our devotion, in our clean and moral life. Is your life clean and moral? If it's not, change. In our service and fulfilling Christ's commission. You know, fulfilling Christ's commission, I was thinking about how vast that is. It's, it's vast. And I thought, Lord, how, we have a great vision. I mean, there's gonna be 1,200 churches by 2025. And I thought to myself, that's not even a drop in the bucket. Lord, Lord, that's not God. And I felt like the Lord said, it's the vision I give you. Run with it. Do the best you can. I will help you. Don't worry about the rest. I'm, I'm doing all of this. I'm orchestrating it. We will have 1,200 churches by 2025. How? One church at a time. Or maybe two at a time. That's why we do what we do. We're, we're here to fulfill the Great Commission. He said, it's a lot of work. Oh, but what a joy. What a joy it is. Faith without works is a cadaver. Is your faith alive? Let us encourage one another to be true Christians. We're new. We're filled. We're to be ambassadors. Two more scriptures. Turn there, please. Turn to the book of Hebrews and I'll conclude. Whole worship team, would you come? Book of James, so powerful. So powerful. I've said it before, but Dr. Morocco encouraged his, those he was mentoring to memorize either the entirety of the book of James or the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so we got to choose which one, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or the Sermon on the Mount. I would challenge you to do the same thing. You see what happens if you, if you get this in you, you'll be able to live with much greater ease and holiness and purity. Some of you are struggling in areas. Can I give you a key? Whatever area you're struggling in, get the word of God for that area, memorize it, speak it, pray it, and you will find the area that your struggle crumbles before the power of God. He stands over his word. It's a sword. Some of you need to unsheathe that thing. Take the head off of your obstacle. Amen. Encourage one another to be true Christians. Hebrews 3 and 13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if, everybody say if, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Wow. I mean, how do you take that 
with other understandings from scripture like the apostasy and the great falling away. How do you take that scripture and say that once you're saved, you receive Jesus, then, you, then you're good for the rest of your life. Once saved, always saved. I just don't believe that. We don't believe that. That's not a part of our doctrine. I don't see it. You need to continue. You need to continue in your faith. We say, which sin is it that causes you to lose your salvation? I don't think it's like that. I think there's a slow, a slow turning. A slow, and that's what I've seen. I saw it in my life. I've seen it in countless others. People that called this place home, they're on fire, tears running down their face, praying, witnessing, get offended, boom. A year later, they're not in church. Now, two years later, now they're not. Three years later, they're on drugs. Four years later, they're, they're even further down the road. Five years later, six years later, seven days later, eight, 10, overdose, dead. See, are you, did they go to heaven? I don't know. I'm gonna leave that to the Lord. I see it. I'm not, that's, I'm just not doing that. I would advise you don't do it either. Come, somebody say, don't do it. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, don't do it. You must have action to your faith and you must have faith and real faith produces actions. And we got to encourage one another. That's what I'm trying to do right now. One more scripture. Hebrews 10. Quick, hurry up. Hebrews 10. Woo. Let us consider, verse 24. Are you all there? Say a big yes. yes. Hebrews 10 and 24. And let us consider how we may spur. We went riding in the desert. Remember, Daniel, and uh, the cowboys, we didn't have them, but the cowboys did. They had spurs. Anybody know what a spur is? It's this little pinwheel on the back of their boot. And you know, we had to kind of dig our heel a little bit to get that, that trail horse. You know, trail horses, God bless trail horses. They, they're just smelling the horse in front of them and can't wait to get back to drink the water. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The trail horses can be challenging. Does anybody ever, anybody ride here? You get on a trail horse, let me just give you a tip. You, you teach the trail horse who's the boss. I made mine turn around left, turn around right, back up, sit down, roll over fetch I did all of that and 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 the, as you go along the trail they like to push you into a tree anybody know what I'm talking about but th these these cowboys they just just a little bit just a little bit of spur boy that that horse responded let us spur some of you need a spur in your side <laughs> let us spur one another I'm trying to spur you right now All right, I'm not doing that again, and I hope that I didn't get a picture. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. It'll never just be cyber church, ever. It will never, ever just be cyber church, not here. That's against really the definition of what ecclesia or the word church means. It will always gather together. And all the more, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day. The what? The day. It's a capital D. The day approaching. Did you get something from God tonight? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, Go to casealaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.